Can cannabis be nutritious? What is hemp seed oil, and what are its potential health benefits? You're listening to Cannabinoidology, a podcast dedicated to unlocking the science of cannabinoids. Joining me on today's episode is Dr. Stephanie Caligiuri. Dr. Caligiuri is a postdoctoral fellow at Mount Sinai Hospital in New York City. Dr. Caligiuri has a bit of a different background for a neuroscientist, as she originally trained for six years in human nutritional sciences and then achieved her PhD in physiology, studying early diagnostic markers and nutrition interventions for heart disease. The reason why Dr. Caligiuri transitioned to neuroscience is because she realized the biggest hurdle to her patients being able to improve their health was their inability to overcome addiction. As a result, Dr. Caligiuri currently studies the sex differences of the brain and how these are important in the context of sugar, alcohol, and nicotine addiction, as well as anxiety. Dr. Caligiuri has published 25 peer-reviewed research articles, and her work is available on Google Scholar if you want to see some more of her contributions to science. Dr. Caligiuri, thank you so much for joining me today. Yeah, thank you for inviting me. I'm very excited to chat with you. I'm really excited about today's episode where we're going to talk a little bit more about the nutritional aspects of cannabis. Um, And this is usually a topic that really just kind of gets jumped over a little bit when people start talking about cannabis or cannabinoids in general. Yeah, absolutely. And even in the context of the clinical research that exists, it's very, very limited. And I think that speaks to the fact that we don't talk enough publicly about it just because the research isn't fully there too. I think you raise a really interesting point. Could I get you to just elaborate a little bit more on why the clinical as well as preclinical research studies are just not there yet? Why have they been so difficult to conduct? Yeah, so there was an act that was passed many years ago that had banned the growth of all cannabis sativa plants in the United States. And that included even varieties that did not contain THC, the psychoactive component that gets us high. So unfortunately, because it was illegal to grow it, a lot of clinical research or even preclinical research was just not happening in regard to hemp, hemp seed, or cannabis strains all in general. And so that really limited our ability to research. And that's why there's a paucity of the literature that exists today. But now it is legal to grow it in the United States. And I think that we're going to see a turning point where all the different varieties or chemovars of cannabis sativa and whether they contain terpenes or CBD or THC and the different components within them can actually start to be studied because I think that there's a lot of potential for this plant and its ability to improve our health. To start, I was hoping that you could explain to us the difference between cannabis that's used for its psychoactive effects or also known as marijuana and hemp, as well as can you describe the different parts of the plant that might be used for nutritional value? Yeah, that's a super question. And I think an important question that a lot of people wonder, because a lot of the times the the two can be thought to be the same thing, because they, they come from a similar plant family or the same plant family of being, you know, cannabis sativa. But I'd like to make the analogy that, you know, the reason why I'm going to call them marijuana versus hemp are very different is because like think of it as like watermelons. You can have a whole bunch of different watermelons, but one watermelon can be seedless and one watermelon can contain seeds. It's kind of a similar thing that they're both cannabis sativa, but marijuana 
contains THC, the psychoactive component, whereas hemp seed itself or the hemp plant is supposed to contain less than 0.3% THC in North America. In Europe, they have more stringent where it's supposed to be less than 0.2% THC. So that's really the biggest defining factor as to what is different between marijuana and hemp. Hemp is a particular type of chemovar of cannabis sativa that is grown for fiber use in clothing, papers, textiles, which has been its most important use throughout centuries. But it also has a lot of great nutritional components. So another important thing to keep in mind is that there's leaves, stem, and seeds of the cannabis sativa plant. And those are really, really important because depending on what component of the plant is used, it will determine the components that are the chemicals that are present in it. So for example, hemp seed is different from hemp oil in regard to what is going to be present in it. And that's because they're using the different parts. Hemp oil might contain the leaves, which is more likely to have some of the phytocannabinoids like CBD or cannabidiol. There are some varieties of hemp oil that will contain CBD and other terpenes like beta-mercine or caryophylline or limonene or linalool. But the hemp seed itself is actually less likely to contain phytocannabinoids and really has been looked at in regard to its essential fatty acid content, as well as its antioxidant or phytosterol components, which is really interesting. So those are like your biggest things. I think marijuana is very distinct from hemp, which is also very distinct from hemp seed. They're all going to contain different chemicals within them. Right. And today we're going to focus a little bit more on hemp seed. So I was hoping that you could tell us a little bit more about what exactly hemp seed is and why someone might want to incorporate it into their diet. Yeah, I think the oil seeds are can be a great component to a healthy diet. I'm a big fan of oil seeds, so that would include like chia seed, flax seed, and hemp seed. The reason why people might want to look to include them in their diet is because they are a great source of protein. You know, 25% of hemp seed by weight is protein, and it actually consists of a lot of the essential amino acids. So for people that in particular eat more plant-based or vegetarian or vegan, hemp seed can be a great option to add to their diet as a great source of essential amino acids. Of course, it's important to get our protein from a variety of sources, but hemp seed can be one of those sources. Hemp seed also is a great source of the essential fatty acids that I said. So what does that mean? Well, essential means that our body cannot make it. So we need to obtain this from our diet in order to be healthy. And those essential fatty acids are the omega-6 and omega-3 fatty acids, linoleic acid and alpha-linolenic acid. What's really great about hemp seed is, is it has a, a really good ratio. So we always talk about how the ratio of fatty acids is really important in our diet for our inflammation, our overall health and everything. And a lot of the time is particularly in Western culture, we see that we get way too many of the omega-6 fatty acids and not enough the omega-3 fatty acids. And we typically see like we might eat 20 times more omega-6 versus omega-3 because omega-6 is really common in things like corn oil, soybean oil, in fried prepared foods like French fries, potato chips. That's why we're getting a lot of omega-6. And there could be a lot of potential health implications with that. You know, we're seeing maybe a higher rate of inflammation. 
a higher uh, issue with heart disease because of that really high omega-6 content. So the reason why hemp seed might be a great thing to add to the diet is because it has a really good ratio of omega-3 to omega-6. It has about a 2.5 to 3 to 1 ratio, so of omega-6 to omega-3. And it's thought then that that could help promote or reduce inflammation for a lot of reasons. Now, as you had said at the beginning of today's episode, the empirical literature field as it pertains to the nutritional aspects of cannabis is not that large. But I was hoping that you could walk us through the science when it comes to hemp seed oil, and if you could take us through some of the clinical data and summarize some of the major findings that are available. Yeah, exactly. I think there's a lot of reasons for why there hasn't been a lot of clinical research in regard to hemp. And I think it's because as you had said in the beginning, there is a little bit of a, a stigma or thinking that it's the same thing as, as marijuana and contains THC. So for a lot of the, the time it wasn't studied, the other oil seeds like flaxseed or chia seed were more common to be studied. We may be able to extrapolate a little bit in regard to looking at the fatty acids that are in hemp seed to look at that kind of data. But overall, what we do see is there are some clinical trials where they've looked at some lower doses of hemp seed oil versus higher doses. So that being like two grams versus like two tablespoons or about 20 to 30 grams. What we see is we need at least about two tablespoons to see some kind of physiological effect of the hemp seed oil. So keep in mind, this is very different from hemp oil, which is more likely to contain like cannabis, uh, the CBD, versus hemp seed oil that is less likely to contain CBD. So it really is going to contain those essential fatty acids. And so just taking two tablespoons of hemp seed oil per day, we see that there is an increase in circulating levels of omega-3 fatty acids, alpha-linolenic acid. And in particular, essential fatty acids are really important for our skin health. So when someone has an essential fatty acid deficiency, the first sign of that deficiency is going to appear on our skin. So we may have signs of atopic dermatitis, like red, dryness, patches of that happening, dry skin that gets dehydrated easily. Those are some very common signs of essential fatty acid deficiency. So because of that, there are a couple of clinical trials looking at hemp seed oil supplementation of two tablespoons per day. And they did, in fact, see some improvements in their skin health. So there was a decrease in water loss to the skin. There was an increase in skin health and hydration. There was a decrease in the prescription drugs that they had to use for atopic dermatitis and basically an overall benefit to skin health. So that I would say was probably one of the best clinical trials I had seen that was conducted with hemp seed oil, just because of the importance of essential fatty acids in our diet. That's incredibly interesting. I've been doing a little bit of reading and I was also hoping that you could talk a little bit about the potential benefits for hemp seed oil as a treatment for cardiovascular disease? Yeah, that's a great question. That comes to the, the fact that essential fatty acids can be converted into very important molecules in our body called oxylipins. And people may be more familiar with the terms like eicosanoids or leukotrienes or prostaglandins. Those molecules are all under the umbrella term of oxylipins. We've known for a long time that like eicosanoids and prostaglandins play a super important role in our cardiovascular health. For example, you know, cyclooxygenase and the prostaglandins that are produced from it, such as prostaglandin E2, has the ability to vasoconstrict, to constrict our blood vessels or to dilate our blood vessels, depending on which receptor it binds to. And so blood vessel constriction or dilation are really important 
It's a really important phenomenon in regard to cardiovascular health because if our blood vessels are narrowed or constricted, it increases the risk for things like heart attack, stroke, and peripheral artery disease. So we have seen that in some of my clinical research that some particular oxylipins that are produced from omega-6 fatty acids may actually increase the risk for things like a stroke or a heart attack in patients, unfortunately. And we think that it could be because some of these particular oxylipins are known to propagate inflammation by increasing monocyte transmigration across the cell membrane layer, that they will cause vasoconstriction and things like that. So that is the mechanism by which we believe some of those oxylipins can increase heart disease risk. Where hemp seed oil comes into play is, as I said, it is a source of a particular omega-6 fatty acid called linoleic acid, which in clinical trials, we see that linoleic acid increases significantly in the blood circulation, but arachidonic acid does not, which is produced from linoleic acid. And this is a good thing because arachidonic acid is typically what is associated more with those pro-inflammatory blood vessel constricting oxylipids, but linoleic acid is not. It produces things like the hodes, which are more important in regard to reperfusion and oxygen uh, supply in the heart as well. We've actually seen a protective effect with the linoleic acid-derived oxylipins for uh, cardioprotection in models of a heart attack and preclinical models of a heart attack. Those omega-6 fatty acid-derived oxylipins seem to be protective. In particular, the omega-3 fatty acids also seem to be very protective. I've shown in a couple of clinical trials that when we provided patients with an oil seed flaxseed that's similar to hemp seed. It's not the same, but it has a similar fatty acid profile that it increased the omega-3 fatty acid derived oxylipins and that was associated with a reduction in inflammation. The reason is because we know that the oxylipins that are made in our body from omega-3 fatty acids seem to resolve inflammation, which is really important. They're able to reduce that transmigration of monocytes. They're able to resolve the inflammatory process that might be mediated by some of these arachidonic acid-derived oxylipins. So if we can extrapolate from that data, we can say then that hemp seed oil, because it is a great source of alpha-linolenic acid and linoleic acid, can change our oxylipin profile in our body where it is cardioprotective, where it reduces inflammation and reduces vasoconstriction. Right, and I think most people would agree that having a healthy heart is incredibly beneficial. Now, I was hoping we could shift gears a little bit. Um, I was wondering if there's any clinical data or even preclinical data that supports the role for hemp seed oil in the treatment or potential therapeutic treatment of food cravings or food addiction just simply based on their role um, or its role in satiety. No, that's a fantastic question. There certainly has not been any clinical research to look to see if hemp seed oil could impact food cravings or appetite, but perhaps we could extrapolate knowing what is present in in hemp seed oil that could potentially impact appetite. And we do know that fatty acids, for example, can induce a satiety response, both in the mouth and along the gastrointestinal tract by inducing the production of certain molecules like OEA or oleoethanolamide, which has an ability to signal to the striatum of the brain and also to induce a satiety signal as well via the vagus nerve. So we may be able to extrapolate by knowing that what's present in hemp seed oil could potentially have an impact. We don't really know if there's particular fatty acids that are more likely to induce that satiety response. 
but it's certainly possible that the fatty acids that are present in hemp seed oil have that capability. And the fact that hemp seed's also a great source of protein, I think, is something that we can speak to as well. We know that protein has very satiating effects, also because of its ability to like, induce cholecystokinin, which, again, can induce satiety. But also, one thing that I had come across a couple months ago is that protein is actually the macronutrient that seems to induce thermogenesis to the greatest extent. And we know that thermogenesis itself can be a satiety factor that lets us know whether or not we need to eat. Because when we feel hot, it actually reduces the signal of our hypothalamus. And the hypothalamus is also really important in regard to regulating our appetite. So the fact that hemp seed is also a good source of protein could have the capability to impact satiety or appetite or craving as well. Right. And now that we've talked a little bit about some of the benefits of hemp seed oil, um, I think it's also important to recognize that much of this industry is unregulated. So what tips do you have for my listeners if they did want to incorporate hemp seed oil into their diet? What should they be looking for? That's a great question too, because you're absolutely right. I mean, it isn't regulated that well. There are so many different varieties of hemp where each one could have different profiles of how many antioxidants are present in it and at what concentration. The, luckily, the essential fatty acid profile seems to be fairly consistent across the different types of hemp. So I think that that's something we can say with confidence should not change significantly. In regard to knowing if we're choosing a good hemp seed oil or not, I would say one very important thing is to make sure that the oil is cold pressed. So there has been a lot of talk lately in the last several years about oils, uh, polyunsaturated fatty acid oils like hemp seed, flaxseed oil, etc might be detrimental to us. So I want, want to take a step back to explain that to some people because the fact that these oils contain the essential fatty acids is really important for us because we need them for our health. But at the same time, they are prone to oxidation, which is bad. So that's why I'm saying that we need cold-pressed hemp seed oil because under heat, those essential fatty acids can become oxidized. And lipid peroxidation and oxidation of fatty acids can actually be quite detrimental to our health. They can elicit an immune response and a pro-inflammatory reaction. So that is why when we use hemp seed oil too, we don't want to cook with it. We do not want to use it at a high temperature. If we can, purchase one that has an opaque container as well because light also has the capability to degrade the essential fatty acids. So cold pressed in a dark opaque container, if by chance it could be stored in a fridge when you purchase it, or if it's sealed with nitrogen, sealing it with nitrogen is not necessary, but that's just an extra added measure to make sure there's no oxygen present in the bottle. So there's no oxidation. And then when you bring it home to store that in your refrigerator as well. So knowing which company to go for, I think is really difficult for me to answer. But if you can look for those fundamentals, I think that that's really the best option. Right. And how long could someone store hemp seed oil in their fridge without worrying that it may start to degrade? Just based on looking at the literature, I would say that it will be fine for several months, particularly if it's in an opaque bottle in your fridge that's not being exposed to oxygen. There's a lot of bottles too where it'll be a squeeze bottle, so it will reduce the ability for oxygen to enter into the bottle. So if it's that type of product, it will be quite stable for several months. I would say a year is pushing it. You know, you don't want to keep it in your fridge for that long. But if it's in that type of storage capacity, I think that that's ideal. 
And if I can speak a little bit more to the, the fact of the oxidation of the fatty acids as well, which I think is also really important. Whenever I talk about omega fatty acids, one thing that kept popping up to me about clinical trials that looked at supplementation or adding things like flaxseed, hempseed, or omega-3 fatty acids is if people still have an inflammatory lifestyle, the omega fatty acids, adding them to your diet is not going to help very much. I like to give the analogy where, for example, let's say you're on a boat and all of a sudden a big hurricane hits and the waves are just going crazy and you fall out of the boat and you're in the ocean and your friend tries to throw you a life preserve to try and save you. Well, if the waves are crashing that hard, that life preserve is going to do nothing for you. Whereas what if you're in the water and there's just some slight waves and your friend throws you that life preserve, that life preserve is going to make a huge difference. It's the same type of thing where if we have a hurricane of bad lifestyle choices where we're eating tons of fried food like chips, french fries, drinking lots of alcohol, smoking cigarettes, not exercising, for example, the omega-3 fatty acids that are present in hemp seed oil or hemp seed are not going to be of that much benefit. So we really also need to look at our whole lifestyle as well because we don't want our lifestyle factors to impair the ability of the hemp seed to improve our diet. I think that's a really important point. And playing off of that, um, when it comes to hemp seed oil, is there any data, um, you know, for example, clinical or preclinical that show benefits when you combine hemp seed oil with other life changes? So for example, like exercise, do we see additive benefits or synergistic effects? Mm, that's something that, to my knowledge, that has never been investigated. And I'm, I'm hoping that we're going to see more of that now that there's more of a, a recognition that hemp seed or that there's different chemovars of cannabis sativa that are without THC so that we can investigate them more. I personally have never seen that, but I would think that it can only help. I think that there definitely would be additive effects in my opinion. Now, I know a lot of people are probably listening to this and they're thinking about adding hemp seed oil into their diet. Can you talk a little bit about some of the adverse effects that you might have from adding too much hemp seed oil into your diet? I think in with everything, there can always be too much. Uh, there is no tolerable upper intake level set for essential fatty acids, though. So there is no known level of toxicity per se. However, when I say there can always be too much, I mean, as hemp seed oil or oils in general are very rich in calories. You know, for yeah. every gram of oil, there's nine calories. So it can be very easy for us to exceed our daily calorie requirement if we're consuming too much of hemp seed oil or hemp seed. So I think that's really important for people to keep in mind as well. If they think, oh, I'm going to add you know, a few tablespoons of hemp seed oil to my meals, that maybe they have to cut out calories elsewhere in their diet as well to compensate for that right. fact. But I don't, there haven't been any toxicity studies or anything that I've seen in regard to consuming too much. The only thing I can think of is that if we consume way too much of omega-3 fatty acids, one of the benefits of omega-3s is that it also has the ability to reduce platelet aggregation. So it has the ability to thin mm -hmm. the blood, so to speak, and reduce coagulation, which can be very beneficial for heart disease in a lot of different populations of people. But if we consume a lot of omega-3s, like let's say 10 grams of omega-3 fatty acids every day, it might thin our blood too much. So if you cut yourself, for example, it, that cut may have a really hard time to stop bleeding. So that's one of the biggest issues that we see with omega-3s. But I think it would be fairly hard to get that amount of omega-3 just from hemp seed oil itself. People would have to be consuming quite a bit 
of hemp seed oil to get to that point. But I would say two tablespoons a day is what the clinical trials have looked at, and there seems to be benefit with that. Now, today we've talked about a lot of information, so I was hoping that you could give my listeners some core takeaways. Yeah, absolutely. So I think what's really important for everyone to know is that cannabis sativa itself as a plant has different varieties within it or chemovars. And we have types that contain THC, that psychoactive component that can make us feel high. There's also other varieties that do not have THC that are more interesting from a nutritional standpoint. So hemp and hemp seed in particular seems to have a lot of nutritious components within it, such as phytosterols, like beta-cytosterol, for example, seems to have some protective properties in reducing cholesterol levels, which could be protective against heart disease. We see that it contains essential fatty acids like linoleic acid and alpha-linolenic acid, and those seem to be really important in regard to our skin health and honestly our overall health because these are essential fatty acids that we need for our overall health. And in particular, hemp seed and hemp seed oil has a really good ratio of omega-3 to omega-6 fatty acids, where there's a lot of clinical research showing that this good of a ratio could have a lot of benefit in regard to our overall health, reducing inflammation, reducing oxidative stress, and promoting health. So if anyone wants to try adding hemp seed or hemp seed oil to their diet, I think it could be part of a great, nutritious, healthy diet because it's got a good source of protein, fiber, and essential fatty acids. My biggest suggestion if you're going to add it to your diet is particularly the hemp seed oil, is try purchasing it cold pressed and keep it in your fridge and do not heat the hemp seed oil or the hemp seed either. And hopefully it can increase the nutritious components of your diet. I wanted to give you an opportunity to tell my listeners a little bit about your podcast. And I want them to understand that I don't think that this podcast would have gotten off the ground without your help. Um, So can you tell us a little bit more about the People's Scientists? Oh, well, first of all, let me say that your podcast is 100% all you. You would have done it without me, absolutely. Um, but thank you for, the, for saying that. The People's Scientist is something I'd started a while ago, and I missed being a nutritionist and educating other people. When I moved to New York to do my postdoctoral fellowship, that was something I was missing from my life. So I wanted to start a podcast so I could share my knowledge with my friends and family. And if my audience grew from there, then that was just an extra bonus to me. So I talk about topics that are my areas of expertise, which are nutrition, physiology, and and neuroscience. And I really like to talk about topics that, that combine all of those things. So for example, looking at heat therapy in regard to depression and anxiety and food cravings, or looking at trendy diets, for example, a ketogenic diet or intermittent fasting, and actually looking at the scientific evidence on that. So I do a podcast episode every Sunday where I try to make it understandable for everyone, but to share the science, because I think there's a lot of power in understanding our own body and our own brain and being able to take that knowledge and understand how our lifestyle factors will change our science and our biology. So that's what I, that's my goal every week for people. So if you like science podcasts, I really would encourage you to go and listen to the people scientist. Um, Dr. Caligiuri talks about so many diverse topic areas that sometimes I really just don't know what to expect. And then the very next week, she comes up with something so new and exciting that I get to learn a little bit more about, which is really just fantastic. So again, I just wanted to say thank you so much for joining me on today's episode. And I really hope that you guys will go and listen to the people scientists because you're going to learn a lot.
Oh, thank you for saying that. I hope some people <laughs> join it too. <laughs> Well, that's all the time we have for today's episode, and I hope you learned a little bit more about the nutritional aspects of cannabis. Please make sure to subscribe to the podcast and to tell at least one friend about us, and I hope you'll tune in to our next episode. As always, you can follow me on Twitter at IamAlexChisholm or at CannabinoidPod for more updates. Thanks for tuning in!